Welcome to episode two of Big Shanks Radio. I am your host, Luke Callier, and this is the podcast where we speak to the who's who of barbecue. Season one of the show is proudly brought to you by Smoky Q Rubs and Sauces and Clean Heat Charcoal and Briquettes. In today's episode, we are speaking with none other than one of the founding fathers of Perth Barbecue. Better known to some as Gus Face Griller and the man behind the Perth Barbecue School, it is, of course, Gus Gallagher. So let's get to today's show. Woo! Gus, welcome to the show. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me along. Thank you for being here. Now, first question, what, and this might be a tough one for you, I would say, what is the best thing you think you have ever barbecued? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that, yeah, it, I was, I saw that in the, on the list of questions and sort of had a big ponder about it. Um, certainly, I guess the most fun things we've ever barbecued are probably doing whole animals. Um, you know, we've got a big asado, like Argentinian cross. Uh, and so we've done like whole, whole lambs, whole pigs on that, um, which is probably certainly the most fun. Um, you know, in terms of best, you know, it, it really depends on, you know, who's eating it or, you know, whether it's something in a competition. But, yeah, certainly the most fun things have probably been that kind of live fire and whole animals on a cross. And so take us through, um, you know, like maybe the first time you did, did one of the big animals on the big cross and, and where did you get it from and uh, the, take us through that cook maybe. Uh, yes, I mean, the first time we ever fired it up um, was for a whole lamb around Easter weekend a couple of years ago. Um, we sort of thought, you know, it's a whole cross. It's kind of getting a bit biblical. But, yeah, grabbed a, a whole whole lamb from sort of a local farm and just went, yeah, really traditional sort of Argentinian style, which is, is not much more than, you know, pretty much salt. Um, so using like a salmuera, sort of salt water during the cook. Uh, and then serving it up with with chimichurri at the end of it. So, yeah. And did kept, you just dig out a pig, uh, dig out a pit for that, or what did you? Yes, yeah, just had it sort of sitting over a fire pit. So, um, yeah, boiler maker mate made it for me. So it's got sort of a big steel beam as a base, and uh, it can just sort of sit over any fire. Always helps to have a few tradie mates when you're in the barbecue game, doesn't it? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so. Um, Tell us a little bit like about your barbecue journey. Uh, I guess, how did you originally kind of get into barbecue? Uh, like when did you get bitten by the bug? Yeah, sure. So I've always been, you know, at least a little bit into barbecue, um, as I think most people are in Australia. Um, you know, my dad has always had a Weber kettle um, when we were growing up doing roasts and things like that. So uh, naturally when I moved out of home, I picked up a Weber kettle and all I thought they could do at that time was just, you know, roast, roast meat. Um, but then sort of slowly started to get into, um, you know, American-style barbecue, so bought a, a, like an offset smoker, um, and then, yeah, kept kept acquiring different barbecues and getting further and further down the, the rabbit hole. So it's sort of been a, just an evolution of sorts. So I guess, was your dad anything like mine, that occasionally the uh, you looked in, in, in the Weber after three or four hours and there was still a raw piece of meat there, or was your dad pretty good on it? He was, he was pretty good on it, yeah. He said it was certainly um, from a pork crackle point of view. He was, um, I was called him crackle king years later because I, I never quite seemed to be able to, to replicate his results. But um, uh, he, was, he was pretty good on it. Um, sure, there were probably a few different things along the way, but um, yeah, certainly recollection is that he was uh, pretty handy on the old Weber kettle. 
So you started on the kettle, moved on to an offset. What sort of <laughs> offset was that? Uh, at the time, I got a heart high fire. So it was sort of going offset at the time. And how long did that last in the repertoire? Uh, so I would have got it about six years ago. Um, and we had it for around two to three years. So only being replaced when I upgraded to a radar hill um, reverse flow. And you still got the radar hill, I think? Sure do, yep. yep. And how many uh, Weber kettles do you uh, currently now own? <laughs> uh, good question. Um, you know, I don't actually even know, but it'll probably be in <laughs> maybe 12. And they all do work out pretty regularly? Uh, yeah, we've got, yeah, pretty regularly. So we've got probably, we'd, we'd use about seven to eight in a, in a class. Barbecue school, then I've got a few poking around at home that get used, and then probably a couple more that are maybe just for um, safekeeping for a, for a rainy day. And uh, any other uh, cookers that you're on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we've got we use bullet smokers in the class as well. So we've, I've got a couple of Pro Q's, Fanettos, and a Smoky Mountain. Uh, there's a drum smoker, Usado Cross. Uh, there's a, there's a few few different uh, bits and pieces floating around. I've got a couple more on the way too. So, um, yeah, I think think like any hobby, um, if you go too far down that rabbit hole, there really is no limit to um, the different bits of gear and fun things you can acquire. No, that's right. I think I think that I counted sixteen or seventeen when you were going through there. So, um, what I guess, what have you found about the best thing about barbecue? Uh, so, I mean, the best thing about barbecue, really, at its core, is just you know being outside and um, you know, sort of tending to a fire or, or live coals and, um, you know, just grilling meat or smoking meat, um, you know, it really brings back a sort of primal instinct. Uh, it's good, you know, good fun with your friends and the excuse to have a beer. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I find it quite peaceful and relaxing. And the worst. I don't know if there is a worst thing about barbecue. Those, those days right when you there. promised your wife dinner at 7, maybe, maybe when you promised your wife dinner at 7 p.m. and it's, 8 p.m. and the, the pork's just not ready because, you know, barbecue takes as long as it takes. But uh, luckily I've managed to mostly see those days in the past. Yeah, barbecue's ready when it's ready, honey, isn't it? I said that <laughs> once or yeah, twice. Yeah, they, they don't understand that quite as much as we do. <laughs> um, so you talked a little bit about your dad. Um, was he your main influence about barbecue or did you have other places or other people that you kind of learnt from uh, along the way? I mean, this, yeah, there's definitely sort of, you know, bits and pieces along the way, I suppose. So, yeah, I mean, certainly my old man was a pivotal point of just getting, you know, really getting into barbecue. Um, you know, so many great resources, I guess, on the internet along the way. Um, you know, different classes like Harry Sue from Stuff Your Daddy. Um, you know, a ton of the guys on the Australasian Barbecue Alliance. Uh, it's probably Tony from Beard and the Barbecue. Um, you know, just generally sort of, a, you know, great peer group. Um, but, yeah, there's just sort of so many people along along that journey that you're always either learning from or bouncing ideas off and, um, you know, always continually trying to improve. Is there anyone that you'd single out as a big influence, you think? Uh, there's a big influences. Um, yeah, good question. Um, certainly, I, you know, I do have a great relationship with Tony Aguilar over in Sydney. Um, just, you know, he, I remember sort of getting into smoking and, Starting the blog, and he was sort of running a blog around the same time, and just sort of, you know, bounced so many ideas off over the years. Um, certainly, 
uh, that relationships for everyone the value. Um, beyond that, it's just so many you know great people in barbecue that you're always just yeah, either you know you might give them a tip and you get a tip back. You know, there's just um, so many great kind of collaborations out there. I think people are always willing to share kind of uh, most of their secrets when it comes to uh, barbecue. Yeah, that's it. You know, I, th- I think I'm, you know, maybe I have one or two um, secrets, but I don't have many. I'm a, I'm a mostly open book. Now, you mentioned there that you started a blog. Kind of take us back to, um, I guess, what was the impetus there for, for, for starting the blog and and how did that grow? Yeah, so, I mean, really that was right around the time that I um, bought the Hark Tri-Fire. Uh, and really the impetus for it was just that none of my friends you know, were really into doing any sort of smoked American barbecue. I, I didn't really know anyone in Perth doing a great deal of that style at the time. And so I thought I'd start a blog just to document my journey um, into it. And from there, sort of started to discover things like the Australasian Barbecue Alliance that had shortly after starting it. And at that time, I was stoked because there was like a thousand people on there sort of all into barbecue. And I thought that was amazing. And that's up to 60-odd thousand now. Um, And so, yeah, really the blog was just because no one else I really knew was into that style and, and then it led to then discovering, you know, Australia as a whole starting to really get into um, cooking charcoal and fire outside. And that was a few years ago that started? Uh, the Just over five years, I think, about five and a half years. And how did you come up with the name Gus Face Griller, which is uh, what you became well known as? Uh, so it's a Wu-Tang reference, so um, after the, uh, the great rapper Ghost Face Killer. Very nice. And so, how did the blog evolve? Obviously, you started out, a few people were reading it, and then uh, was there any, um, I guess, one blog post that pushed it to really kind of take off, or was it just a gradual thing that built up kind of over time? Yeah, definitely a gradual thing that built up over time. Um, you know, at the start, it was just a, a great outlet for, you know, my um, my litany of sort of Simpsons references and hip-hop references, um, you know, thinly veiled with uh, over some the odd recipe and things like that. Um, probably one of the bigger turning points was, you know, I always assumed people just would prefer sort of, I guess, the, the food porn and recipes. Um, but we did an article on the snake method in the Weber, um, some more technique-driven thing, which I sort of in my head thought, oh, you know, boring. It's just a just a technique. But that was then quickly became our most popular blog post, and sort of, I guess, led to then go, okay, well, maybe people want a bit more educational content, and so sort of started taking the blog in that direction. And did you have any background in writing a blog before Gusface? Uh, no, not really in terms of blog writing, but I mean, I guess that's the, thing, the, the best and worst thing about blogs, isn't it? You know, anyone with a keyboard and a computer can uh, can start one on any topic. Um, but luckily, uh, people seem to like what I was doing. Um, I've always sort of enjoyed writing and um, you know, and reading, so I guess it was a natural outlet for me. But um, yeah, certainly no formal training in that regard. And that must have been pretty rewarding for you when people kind of start kind of uh, reading or you start seeing the statistics come through of people reading the blog and people getting to know who you were? Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, at the start, it's more almost just a, you know, um, a personal outlet um, to record, I guess, the things that you're doing. And then at some point it becomes, you know, something else where you're actually, um, you know, trying to put something out there then for, for the people to read and uh, hopefully learn something from. And... Um, as most people in Perth would know, Gus Face Mints. Um, obviously, that came from a blog post originally. Um, and then take us through how that yeah. evolved. 
Yes, I mean, it's sort of it's one of those funny things, but uh, uh, I was just over two years ago, I managed to win a, a burger competition. So that was the best burger in the West um, with the Buy West Eat Best guys. And um, this led to people asking for, you know, the secret recipe, uh, which I'd sort of give out and no one ever seemed to believe me. So I wrote a blog post on how to kind of make the perfect burger mints. Um, and so, um, in collaboration with Troy from uh, Troy's Meats, uh, he sort of said, well, look, probably this week, you know, when you post it up, everyone's going to be coming in asking me for, for mints because um, they won't have a mincer yet and they want to do it. So I'll, I'll make some burger mints, you know, pre-prepared beforehand called the Gus Face Mints. And I said, well, that sounds like a good idea. Um, and then it just sort of went um, went bananas and everyone started buying it and kind of went full circle to the point where everyone then thought it was a secret recipe again um, because it sort of <laughs> there were people kind of coming into it that had never read the blog post, so um, which was kind of amusing. So it's just sort of, you know, it's developed all these different, I think, myths in the community. Um, I think some people think I'm a mince millionaire. Um, or that Troy's a mince millionaire, um, which <laughs> certainly neither's the uh, neither's the case. Um, yeah, it's just been it's been kind of amusing to watch it evolve because it sort of started off just saying you know make your own damn burger mints and um, turned into its own weird little beast. <laughs> um, safe to say that uh, if you'd known uh, how much it was going to take off, would you have uh, needled Troy for a commission on every kilo sold? <laughs> no. No, I think it's just it's just amusing to see it um to see it unfold and yeah, it's good great to support people like Troy. Um certainly I've told him he probably needs to charge more for it because I don't think um yeah, I don't think he even gets much of a clip on the old Gus Face mints. So um no, it's just been yeah, it's been great seeing people sort of start really getting into making, you know, proper burgers, so instead of rissoles. Um and so that's that's certainly enough for me. And so the evolution of um the blog, um that turned into some competition cooking, did it, at, at one point? Uh, yeah, so we we got involved with um, competition barbecue. I teamed up with, um, with a couple of other guys, Jamie and Philippe, to form the Griller Bees. Um, so that was two years ago, probably about two years ago. Um, so we yeah, did, did a Smoking in the City event um, just to sort of, you know, see if we'd actually like it or like each other and... Um, yeah, that sort of went really well, and so rolled out a few competitions from there. Um, in the end, sort of, you know, uh, Jamie sort of went off to started his own catering business, and I sort of started in the school. So probably um, did a slight hiatus on competition barbecue for a little bit, um, but then and then I sort of back involved with it again uh, with the formation of some of our student teams and uh, our varsity team as well. So you just mentioned there the uh, the school uh, launched. Uh, last year, um, how did that start? Um, so I guess in terms of that, yeah, just you know, evolution of, of everything barbecue. Um, after doing a few of the the different guides and articles on the the blog, it led to a few people um, asking about barbecue classes. Um, so I sort of thought, you know, all right, let's give it a, a, a try. I sort of, I'd held off because I kind of feel like you never really stop learning. Um, so I sort of really feel like I was ready. Um, you know, because there's always more that you could know about uh, any given topic. But, you know, we rolled out a couple and, um, you know, it turned out people really enjoyed them. I really enjoyed running them. So we thought we'd, uh, yeah, run a few more. And um, I guess never never really stopped since. And so how many classes kind of are you doing a month nowadays? Uh, at the moment, we'd be doing around probably about five on average um, classes per month. So I think June was our, one of our busier ones. 
uh, we did about seven, um, but on average probably about five would be normal. Now I imagine uh, going into, I guess, barbecue full-time was a pretty big decision. Um, I'm guessing you were married at the time. How did how did that decision kind of? Yep, take, still take am. Shape? Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I mean, it, it was it was a it was a weird one. So it sort of yeah, to, to put a bit of background, I started doing the classes about a month before our, our first child, our daughter, um, was due, because um, I thought I was just going to do a couple of them. Uh, so I had a bit of a hiatus, and then um, kind of got back on doing some more classes um, during that time. Um, and yeah, just kept growing in popularity to the point where, you know, we looked at it and said, well, you know, maybe it is viable as a, a full-time business. Um, the plan at that stage was probably to wait out until my wife went back to work uh, off maternity leave. But um, December was probably the biggest turning point for us. We had probably about five classes and a, and a corporate gig around that time um, while sort of working full-time and, um, and also started selling quite a few Christmas vouchers. Um, and it just it took a massive strain on the um, just on lifestyle and, and you know trying to do both job and business at the same time. And so we made the decision to um, to yeah sort of strike while the, the iron's hot and go uh, full time into it. And so uh, certainly daunting, um, but yeah certainly rewarding at the same time. Now, had you ever run a business before or had any background there either? Uh, I worked in financial advice. Uh, so I guess I'd had experience in the other side of it, looking at it. Um, probably if anyone had actually come to me for financial advice and said they wanted to start a barbecue business, I'd have told them maybe don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but certainly I'd seen it, certainly seen the numbers side of things um, myself, so I was comfortable in that regard. But um, yeah, in terms of running the business, no, you're always always learning different things and uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was very, very new and um, very daunting, but yeah, exciting at the same time. I'm going to take a quick break here to tell you about my sponsor, Smoky Q Rubs and Sauces. Smoky Q are a proudly WA-based company whose spice rubs are all made right here in Perth. Their rubs feature Lake Deborah Natural Lake Salt, which is a 5 million year old deposit situated in the remote regions of WA. The rubs are gluten and MSG free and contain no artificial ingredients or preservatives. I've been using their Fistball Rub, which features Frio's own Geisha Fistball Coffee, and the Q has been tasty as. Check out smokeyq.com.au, that's S-M-O-K-E-Y-Q.com.au, and use code word BIG, that's B-I-G, for 15% off your first order. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Now let's get back to today's guest. Woo! What's been the biggest challenge uh, that you've faced with Perth Barbecue School? Um, probably just uh, just figuring out, yeah, balance in all of it. You know, when your hobby becomes your profession, is is just trying to make sure you draw the line uh, so that there are points, you know, where you're actually not working. Because you know, if it is your hobby, then you sort of you know doing work on your days off, or are you relaxing and enjoying barbecue, and the lines get very blurred. So you've got to make sure that you have some downtime as well. And you're still finding that you're enjoying that social element of barbecue when you're not, I guess, working? Yeah, look, um, I probably went through a stretch where I wasn't doing as much barbecue outside of the classes, um, just while I was sort of, especially once we increased our class load and, and we're taking on a few other jobs. 
at that time and probably, you know, turned into, I think, that career hospitality worker where, you know, you cook amazing food for your job and then go home and have a couple of beers and a Vegemite sandwich or something. Uh, but I've, I've pulled back out of that again because, um, yeah, certainly do still love it um, as, a, as both a hobby and a, uh, and a profession. Certainly from the outside, it looks like you, you do love it and, uh, and the way that you're passionate about it. I guess what's the best thing you've found about starting Perth Barbecue School um, and now that you're kind of like a year into it? Um, I mean, the best, the best part about it is just seeing people that have come to your class and are still cooking uh, putting up sort of great food, you know, you, you bump into someone that's been to the class and they, they say, oh, I'm still still doing heaps of barbecue and I've, I've bought another Weber or two. Um, you know, it's, it's great when you actually then see the results, um, that, you know, they are still loving it and um, you know, actually kind of implementing the things that you taught them um, is, is definitely the most rewarding part. And I, and I think the thing that uh, I like and, and I think that's kind of maybe a bit unique about what you're doing is you've, You've not only taught them in the class, but now you're kind of, I guess, guiding them and collaborating with them with the Perth Barbecue School competition teams. Um, was that something that you had always planned, or was that something that just came up as a reaction to something the students wanted? Um, it's, it's sort of something we planned from the start, but only because the, the I guess, the business itself being where it is, it wasn't something we'd planned from the start. Um, but I think we launched first competition sort of late last year um it as soon as the, the like i think the next comps came up it became important to me because um you know, i held off competing for a little while because i sort of found it daunting you know you, you think oh, i don't know if i want to be competitive and, and put my food out there but then you do one and you realize that it's just great fun um you know it's it's basically just like barbecue school but on steroids you know there's, there's 20 other teams there all into barbecue, and so the, the wealth of knowledge that you can access by being there um, and the collaborative nature of everyone means you know, it's a really good time. And so I thought if we could sponsor students to sort of um, you know, put them in teams together, they'd hopefully you know, see that themselves and then get, the, uh, get that competition bug and keep going from there. And has that kind of been the case? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you're not going to win uh, everyone over, but certainly um, the majority have, have either competed again or um, expressed an interest to compete again. So, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a big weekend full of beer, meat, barbecuing and talking about barbecue. So uh, I think it's a relatively safe bet that you're going to convert um, a reasonable amount to um, to the scene. What are your thoughts on, the, on, on competition barbecue, I guess, in general? Um, look, I, I, I love it. Um, it's it's a great scene where I've met so many of the guys that are now my my friends in that barbecue scene. Um, and again, for the reasons you know, I try to encourage people to get into it for the same reasons I love it. Um, like with anything, you know, you, you get people that take it um, probably too seriously. But for me, you know, we and I try and tell my students, you know, every time we compete, show up just with the intention of having a good time and and you know, taking it as seriously as you want to, but um, at the same time, always make sure you've got um, room for a bit of fun and a bit of you know, relaxing, because otherwise, you know, it's a subjective sport, and if you walk away with nothing, then, um, you know, if you, and, if, and you've taken it too seriously, then, um, you know, you've had probably just a bad weekend, but if you walk away with, you know, nothing, but you had a you know, great weekend catching up with people and learning about barbecue, well, then, you know, it's still a win. And... A few trophies doesn't hurt. I know that you've taken home a couple uh, in the last few competitions. 
Yeah, look, I mean, when you when you're sleep deprived on the Sunday and um and you do get a comp- uh, get a trophy just before you have to pack everything up, um, it does make life a, a bit better because um sort of puts a, an extra sort of jig in your step. Um, but again, there's been been ones where you walk away with um you know potentially nothing to show for it as well. So um, but yeah, certainly we're super grateful every time we do uh, manage to get a call up, and, and certainly um you know the times our students have got one as well is is fantastic as well. Has there ever been any times when you thought you were going to get a call up for something and you didn't, or vice versa, when you're like, oh, that wasn't the best cook, and then you've got a call up? Um, yeah, a memorable one um, wasn't so much myself, but uh, Jamie on our Grilla Bees team. Um, I remember him legitimately saying to me, these are the worst ribs I've ever cooked. I hate them. Um, and then he got first place ribs. So, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't too happy with that cook and it turned around on him. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there can always be the odd one that you you feel kind of bullish on, you know, you, you feel like you did a really good job and then you might just not, you know, you might turn around and, and not get anything for it. Um, you know, it's, it's the nature of the sport in many respects. So there's always a few that you do get pretty pretty invested in um, and, that, that don't eventually. And uh, I guess you've spent some time on the East Coast at some of the competitions over there. And um, I guess... Yep. Uh, just the comparison of the style and size of the events that you're seeing happening over there, and and I guess what are your thoughts on where the competition scene has grown and 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 where you think it's going to over the next few years? Yeah, um, so I mean, look, I mean, the biggest thing about you know, the eastern states is they're all so close together that um, the competitions, by their nature, are just bigger. Um, you know, Sydney, Sydney and Victoria, bigger states. And also, given their proximity, you know, you'll get people from both cities travelling to the big events like your meat stocks and, um, you know, all those sort of events. So um, just because of that, you know, uh, not being sort of stuck on the other side of Australia, uh, they naturally get a few sort of larger comps. Um, and just that, I guess, sort of enormity of um, seeing, you know, 50-odd teams all together is, is pretty inspiring. Um, first, though, I think, you know, we've got such a, and it's just kind of WA in general. It's that, you know, we're stuck all the way over here, isolated from everything, so we'll band together and um, sort of, you know, make what we want out of a, a scene. And, you know, because of that, you know, I think we've got a really um, tight-knit competition barbecue scene over here. You know, everyone's so open to, um, you know, to helping each other along the way. Um, and in terms of number of comps, you know, we have, you know, a good four or five each year, which is, um, you know, I think a really good outcome. Um in terms of where it goes from here, um, you know, good question. Um, I still, you know, still think it'll continue to grow a bit as people get into it. Um, you know, if the Eastern States anything to go by, we'll probably still see some more people kind of get more and more serious about it, you know, trying to, um, to progress to competing overseas or, um, you know, getting bigger sponsors and things like that. But, um, yeah, hopefully at its core, it's still just got that, you know, great thing that got us all into it, which is, you know, that camaraderie and, um, you know, uh, getting together to actually share barbecue tips and advice and things like that. Yeah, and have fun with barbecue, I guess. Hundred percent. Yeah. Now, in the last couple of comps here, we've had uh, we've had an ABA event and a couple of KCBS events. Um, any kind of um, comment on preference for either or, or or any thoughts on 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 ABA events here, particularly here in Perth. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some more ABA events here in Perth. Um, I guess the main thing is there's a national leaderboard. Um, 
which you only should really get on if you compete in three ABA comps in a year. And it'd be great to see some WA teams um, kind of get back up on that leaderboard. Um, Boyd from Sandgroper uh, the year before last managed to get second overall. Um, so they haven't been all the way from uh, WA. So, you know, we had a few more comps under that banner. It would just allow us to, I guess, probably put WA on the map a little bit more. Um, but beyond that, you know, we've competed in, in all of them, um, ABA, KCBS. Um, you know, if there's a barbecue comp, um, you know, we'll compete in that pretty much. Um, and you know, certainly the KCBS um, stuff does open some doors potentially to competing in the in the U.S., um, although that said, the last ABA comp um, is sending Bill of Warfare over to the uh, to the Royal later in the year as well. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, I think people get caught up in politics sometimes. Um, you know, they both do very similar, um, you know, jobs. They both provide a, a judging system, a scoring system, um, you know, and a, various leaderboards and opportunities. Um, and really, it then comes down to the actual event organisers themselves to make that competition or that event great. Um, the sanctioning body itself isn't going to do that. No, that's right. It's really up to that kind of event promoter. And uh, I think we have you know, some, some pretty good guys doing that here in Perth. Um, I was lucky enough to yeah, spend some time with Boyd. Um, and he certainly did some miles to um, to get to those competitions, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I called him the hardest working man in barbecue. Um, or maybe the, the craziest man in barbecue. But... Um, yeah, he did some some ludicrous miles there for a little bit, but uh, but he's just that epitome of yeah, <laughs> he would have. So there was one I think he did um two trips over the Nullarbor in the space of about two months. Um, so I remember bumping into him and said, "Oh, did you leave all your gear over there?" He's like, "No, I tried, had a catering gig, so I drove back." And um, yeah, he's uh, yeah, but he's he's a great guy. He's that epitome of competition barbecue. You know, he's taught taught me so many things. Um, over those sort of late nights where you're getting your briskets on, um, you know, just sharing information that you know, he doesn't have to share because um, you know, at the end of the day we're competing against each other, but um, you know, it does so because he's a, a good bloke. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe what it might end up getting to is that uh, maybe three or four of the teams from here may end up with a um, maybe some sort of storage shed over on the east coast that we, uh, you know, leave equipment in from uh, month to month to um, so we can compete over there in a bit of a an easier sense, perhaps. Yeah, look, I mean, yeah, all, all those sorts of things are definitely possible. And, um, you know, I think if anyone's going to kind of team up to make those sorts of things happen, you know, people from Perth probably would because I think we're used to that kind of tyranny of distance. I think that's all sports uh, and competitions. Uh, when we want to be recognised on the national level, uh, WA always ends up um, making our fair share of the journeys across across the country. I'm going to take a quick break here to tell you about my sponsor, Clean Heat Barbecue. Clean Heat Barbecue Lumpwood Charcoal and Briquettes are manufactured in KwaZulu Natal, South Africa, using a sustainable, renewable hardwood invader species called the Mapani Bush. The Mapani Bush is found in some of the remotest regions of Namibia, and removing it assists in the regeneration of short grasses, which benefits the roaming native animals such as rhinos, zebras, and springboks. Clean Heat also employs around 500 people in these communities, which cut down the Mapani bushes offering job opportunities that otherwise wouldn't exist. I've used clean heat for my last few cooks and it's one of the cleanest burning fuels I've ever used and it just seems to last and last. It's available all around Australia and if your local barbecue supplier or butcher doesn't stock it, ask them to get it in. You won't be disappointed. Clean heat barbecue, fuel your passion. Now, let's get back to today's show. Woo!
So um, what's next, uh, I guess, for Perth Barbecue School and, and yourself in general uh, in, in the next uh, few years? Um, yeah, good question. So it really it feels like we've just been going from one event to the next um, in many respects. So it'll be good to take some, take some time to actually do a bit more um, planning ahead to see what we want to open the doors to. But um, certainly we're pretty much about to lock in all our sort of dates for the remainder of the year. Um, just to kind of help us with planning. Um, we just went to Kalgoorlie to do some regional barbecue classes on the weekend, um, and, and that was amazing. And so we certainly want to look at doing some more regional stuff, whether it's this year or next, um, because it was just so rewarding. You know, people were so stoked that we kind of came out their way because, you know, they reckon nothing really comes out to Kalgoorlie. So, um, you know, if we could do a bit more regional um, teaching next year as it's sort of an excuse to go around and see more of WA, um, that'd be fantastic. Um, we're going to keep rolling out our um, competition barbecue teams. So we're going to have a few down at um, Chidlow at the next comp there, um, probably some more down at Smoke in the Water in, um, in Bayswater. Um, and then beyond that, probably look at uh, a few more um, either master classes or kind of um, specific theme classes. Uh, seafood's one that comes up all the time uh, that we might look at rolling out over summer. Um, so yeah, there's always sort of a few different um, bits and pieces up the uh, up the sleeve or kind of floating around my brain. Now, before we um, kind of wrap up the interview, <coughs> I have a, a segment which I like to do called the Favourite Five. I'll rattle them off and uh, it's kind of like a quick fire five, really. So, here yep. we go. Favourite butcher? Uh, Troy's Mates. Favourite cut of meat to cue? Favourite cut of meat? Uh, beef short ribs. Favourite barbecue cooker? I'd have to say the Weber kettles, if, if only purely for nostalgia. <laughs> the favourite drink while you're barbecuing? Well, it's got to be beer. Any particular beer? Uh, in the class, we've got the Colonial Pale Ale uh, on tap. I sort of I call that my barbecue beer because it's four and a half percent. It's pretty easy to drink. So um, yeah, for a long day out in the sun, uh, that probably sits the bill. Yeah, it's a pretty tasty beer. That one, I do like it as well. And lastly, your favourite barbecue accessory? Uh, uh, probably probably instant red thermometer um, would probably be the, the handiest thing. Yeah, you can't, you can't really go wrong with that one, can you? Thermo pen. No. Now, shout outs. Anyone that you want to thank for, uh, you know, along your journey that's helped you along your way? Uh, yeah, from my, from my wife for putting up with me <laughs> doing a starting a barbecue business during the time that we're, we've got our first child coming along. Always um, good to start with the wife. We, <laughs> sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, depending on how, uh, if I'm remembering or not. But uh, probably uh, Troy from Troy's Meats, um, always. Uh, Lindley Valley Pork have always uh, looked after us. So John Thompson up there is a fantastic guy to deal with. Um, oh, so many in there. You know, this. um all the different great guys who collaborated with over the years. Um, the guys at Varsity who let us hang out in their backyard um, cooking barbecue and doing barbecue classes. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there just because. And now, lastly, where can people follow your barbecue journey? And, of course, where can they sign up for a class? Yeah, so the, the blog um, is now housed over at perthbarbecueschool.com. 
Um, so it's probably the best way to find different articles. Um, we're trying to update a bit more content there regularly as well. So if people have any requests or content they'd like to see, um, certainly contact us via the page. Um, you can also get in contact with us there to, to talk about barbecue school and book into a class. Um, the dates are regularly updated on the Perth Barbecue School Facebook page. Uh, and we've also got the barbecue group Perth Barbecue Club as well, which is it's just a great place for everyone to kind of chat and talk all things barbecue. Um, and then I guess lastly, most of my food, I guess photography is still housed over on the Gus Face Grilla Instagram page. It's probably the best place to find all of that. And I do follow that Instagram page pretty closely. There's always something that uh, is inspiring me on there for sure. Oh, that's good. And that's certainly where I started is, you know, if you can, if you can inspire people to get into barbecue, um, yeah, it makes you feel pretty good. Look, mate, I really want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your journey with the audience. I, um, I really do appreciate your time and, uh, and also what you've done for Barbecue in Perth. No worries, mate. My pleasure. That brings to an end our chat with Gus. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of Big Shanks Radio. If you liked it, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave us a review. You can follow my barbecue and podcasting journey on Instagram and Facebook at Big Shanks Barbecue and check out our website at bigshanksbarbecue.com.au and sign up for the mailing list to keep up to date with all the latest. Thanks again to our sponsors, Smoky Q Rubs and Sauces and Clean Heat Charcoal and Briquettes. And we look forward to barbecuing again with you on the next episode of Big Shanks Radio. Woo!